You received a call from an inmate at the Department of Corrections. This call will be recorded and monitored. If you wish to block any future calls of this nature, dial 7 now. To accept this call, press 5 now. To decline this call, hang up. Well, hello there, Weiwei. I have not heard from you in a while. How goes the battle? Ah, yes, the weather. That's something that uh, is a big topic these days, especially with the seasonal changes out here. And I'm glad you're uh, you're enjoying yourself out there. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that's getting out. They're they're doing some outdoor events and they're they're hanging out with their friends and and. Uh, going for hikes, camping, and uh, I know the allergy is kind of uh, taking its toll on some of the folks, but we'll, uh, we'll all get through it together. Ah, cause, huh? So what are you guys getting together about? Oh, George Floyd, yeah, he, uh, he was pretty big a couple years ago, I'd say. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, that is kind of uh, kind of weird that uh, a person with a criminal record like that gets high accolades. I mean, he's become a martyr and a spokesperson for a movement that I really don't see the benefit in it. They're, they're, they're deliberately going after police officers and they're condemning all police officers it's like every arrest the millions of arrests a year across the United States and all of them were bad all of them need to be condemned I just can't see the logic in that right yeah they they are doing their job, you know, they've got families to support, and they, they, uh, <clears throat> I mean, look at what they go through. They could go to a domestic dispute and walk inside, and next thing you know, there's a shootout, or they could get killed. So I, I, I'm all for memorials for cops and firefighters and, uh, EMT, you know, anybody that deals with the public and puts their lives in danger like that, I, I can see that. Right. Right. We, we, we need to uh, give credit where credit is due. And this George Floyd, I, I, I can't see what it is that he represents that would cause a movement. You know, I'm a big follower of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You know, Gandhi had some good things, Mother Teresa, uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, there's a lot of historical figures that we should teach kids about in school and we should talk about around the dinner table. You have 60 seconds remaining. But George Floyd, I, I don't know about this one. That's that's weird but um, you know it is what it is and uh, I'm glad you guys are getting together and discuss this because he 
he can draw attention to the people who are locked up. I mean, he did serve time in prison. You have 30 seconds remaining. And he should have gotten some, some really good help before he got out. So that's that's kind of weird. You have 60 seconds remaining. Oh, what's going on with, with this thing? <laughs> well, you know, the, the system that doesn't always work properly, we'll say that. We'll work around it. As glitches happen here and there. But I'm I'm glad you're getting out. I'm glad you're you're starting this cause and I fully support you. Thank you, you for using inmate call. Goodbye. Welcome to AQS Inmate Call. I am your host, Joel Wilborn, and in this episode, uh I would like to talk about the effect that the uh, George Floyd incident had on people and uh, how it affects the things that I do. Now, uh, as I mentioned in the call, you know, I, I, I feel bad that people die and, uh, I don't, I don't support executions. I don't support murder, of course. And even in a case of self-defense, if somebody breaks into your house and threatens your life, I, I'm, I'm a little weary about killing because you have to think about human life. If we value a person's life, we'll look at alternative ways to settle something. And... If a person breaks into your house and they're trying to kill you and you're defending yourself, it's easy to justify that. But if a person breaks into your house and you immediately shoot the person, that's a different story. And I don't want the mindset to be that we can just go around killing people and there's little recourse on that now with uh, George Floyd he obviously didn't deserve to die he didn't commit a crime that's so heinous that he had to be killed so uh, when we look at his story you have to think what went wrong and there's a lot of different factors that were that were put into that. A lot of a lot of things that we have to consider. And one of them is that the police officers weren't doing anything that was racial or doing anything that was uh, out of their normal realm. They uh, they were called because a person had. Uh, notified the police officers that a possible counterfeit $20 bill was used to purchase some cigarettes. So they were called over to investigate this and they got there just like police officers should. They found the suspect like police officers should. And they went through the process but the suspect resisted which is out of the ordinary. And that's the one thing we need to consider. If I uh, 
call the police to my home because there was a, a, a break-in. And the police officers come over, I'm happy. But if they come over and I walk out the door to greet them and I get shot, it's more like, what happened? What triggered that? And that's things we have to take into consideration. I know when I was in law enforcement, they would give us a briefing before we go arrest somebody and they could say this person is armed and dangerous and I'm going to be standing there with my weapon. I'm going to be ready. And if the person lunges at me, maybe, I don't know, maybe I might shoot and maybe I might be put in prison because of police brutality or something. Maybe I wouldn't. It's a good idea to be cautious and people who are gun advocates they're real careful about how they use the uh, weapon and they don't buy the weapon to go out and kill people they buy it for pleasure they just want to go out and have some fun they want to buy it in case somebody breaks into their house and threatens them they, you know they have good legitimate reasons to have a weapon and they don't uh, they're not reckless with it they're trained professionals and they enjoy having weapons and they enjoy using weapons and using weapons responsibly. So, uh, to think that uh, people are going to buy weapons just to kill people and police officers are just going to kill people uh, we have to rethink that. That's a small percentage. And I'd hate for everybody to be condemned because of a small percentage of folks. A small percentage of law enforcement get caught up in a bad situation. They didn't expect resistance of arrest. They didn't expect them not to cooperate. If he had complied, there would have been no incident. But he didn't, and things got out of hand. A lot of these cases, that's what happens. These things get out of hand. And uh, we kind of want to ignore that part. I know I tell people, if the police come, just comply. I, I doubt very seriously the police are just going to come over and start shooting. And uh, you, you, people have to be cautious about approaching police officers because they're nervous. Police officers have to be cautious about approaching civilians because they're nervous. And we don't need to preach to the world that police officers are dangerous and should be avoided. Maybe that's why George Floyd acted the way he did. He's got this perception that police officers just want to harm him. Maybe he had a bad incident in the past and it just lingers with him. And when you're caught and convicted and put in prison these things should be discussed how was your arrest what was the circumstances what would you have changed what would you have done if you were the police officer let's teach police officers the perspective of the guilty party and let's show people who are locked up because we have have their full attention about the uh, thoughts and the process going through the police officers. And then this will eventually get out into the public. I think 
we need programs to bring police officers and the community closer together. We need to get that trust back. When a police officer responds to an incident and things go well, the people that call them are happy. You know, maybe the people that are arrested aren't. But the community's happy, the, the folks are happy, and I don't see why they want to go out and start banging on a drum that we should defund the police. Yet there's a group that does that. I don't care that you had a good incident with the police officers. I don't care that your property was recovered. I don't care that your wife, your life was saved. We need to defund these people because of George Floyd. And you could look at these folks and say, I didn't threaten the police officers. I didn't cause a scene. I did what was expected of me and everything worked out fine. And most police calls, that's what happens. So why condemn everybody? But this is this is their movement. This is what they want to do. And when I reach out with American Quitting Society, my goal is to get people to quit with the crime. Find out what caused it. Find out what they want to do to prevent going back to prison and work on it. And I've had a really good success rate. I don't throw a lot of money at them and I don't spend a lot of time lecturing them. I listen. And they give me very good solutions. And together we work on it. And then other people join in too, usually the family. Because they would turn away. It's like, oh, this person's never going to change and they're just going to steal from us and they're just going to go back to prison. But when you have that line of communication open, the chances of that happening lessens. It lowers and it's not as bad. And I think if we understand George Floyd's background and why he was resisting arrest, I think we could help teach that to other people so that we can stop it from happening. If anything's going to come out of this, it's not that we get rid of police officers, it's just that we can reduce crime. Reducing police officers and and making them to the point where they're they're not trusted in the community, that's not going to save any lives. That's not going to help anybody. We need to stop that. And uh, one of the things that just bothers me about this is this man was, you know, he was in prison. If I had spoken to him in prison, then I really could have, I would have asked, what what can we do to help you? What what kind of things do you need to uh, reach the goals that you're looking for? And maybe we could have kept the line of communication open. Maybe this guy would have been able to get a comfortable job, volunteer work, uh, a good community support. I don't know. I mean, that's usually the stuff that happens when I work with folks. But I don't know. I don't know if that would have happened with him. Maybe he was just to the point where he didn't care. And if that was the case, things like this are bound to happen. You just give up on yourself. You give up on society. You give up on any hope of ever changing. And you continue your ways And what I tell folks, if you keep on this path, it's going to end up bad. And uh, I may have told him that. You know, 
he might have had an encounter. Maybe if he had had that encounter and, and did what was expected of him and walked away, maybe they wouldn't have arrested him. Maybe it wasn't a counterfeit $20 bill. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of things that could have happened. Or maybe he would have uh, not gotten a, a big um, sentence or anything. And then we could sit down and say, you know, you're back on that track again. And, and something's going to happen if we don't work on this. And it could have been a wake-up call for him. But if you bring it to his attention, it could have. But see, we don't have that opportunity now. And it could be the case with a lot of folks. Maybe somebody saw all this George Floyd thing and thought, uh-uh, I'm not getting anywhere near the police officers. And they wind up getting killed during a, an altercation. A car is pulled over. The person says, oh my goodness, I've got a arrest record. I've got a warrant out for me. I'm, this is not going to look good. I'm getting out of here. And we don't need that. We don't need to teach people to run away from the police. And we don't need to teach the police to start firing at people. And we can work this out. But it's going to take communication. It's going to take working with both sides. And uh, I kind of look at it like this. Say... With all these honors and stuff that George Floyd is getting, let's say in 200 years, a student is uh, working on a class project, and uh, he's curious about the name of his school, his elementary school. So he goes to the library, and he's talking to some of the uh, staff over there. Why is our school named George Floyd Elementary? What did this guy do? What's so special? Oh, he died uh, by police brutality and was the uh, his death sparked the movement. But, you know, in 200 years, it may not really matter. It's like, what what movement? What, what's going on here? And as they're looking at it, it's like, you know, this was a thing where they didn't trust police officers. They considered this racist. They considered this uh, an attack on uh, common folk. And that's not an issue now. So maybe there's a, a drive to change the name of the school. And they may change it to something neutral like uh, Honeysuckle Elementary. 200 years ago there were people that were looking to name schools and name uh, or set up memorials or name streets or uh, community centers or something and you know with the Civil War there was a side that wanted to get rid of slavery and they wanted to change the way America was was run. Another side just was happy with the way things were going. They were making good money. They didn't see any reason to be giving up their their slavery, and they didn't see any reason that their economic uh, network would be destroyed. And so there was a lot of different factors that led to the Civil War. But you had two big belief conflicts. 
So if we are to look at how America was all those years ago, the people who supported the Confederate Army, they were devastated. They lost the war. And they felt deep down inside that their beliefs didn't matter anymore. They had strong beliefs that slaves weren't equal to them, had no business being living amongst them. They believed that uh, their society was was set up and running really smooth. People were treated fairly. And they even came up with reasons why the races were inferior in some respects and superior in others. That was their belief. And the United States overcame that with a war. And the war didn't really change how they felt. And a lot of family members, you know, they lost uh, their loved one fighting for a cause that they believed in. And so... They have to accept the fact that they lost the war. But when it comes to naming a school or a library or a street, they thought, these people, they fought for what we believed in. And they they fought a a valiant, valiant fight and lost. Let's honor them by, by naming this military base after them. And so at the time, this is their way of showing honor to these people who stood up for their rights, their beliefs, and it was shared by a lot of people. There were a lot of people who supported that that idea. And so uh, they figured the least they could get is uh, something in their honor. And then when our, our our thoughts process changes over the years, we look back and say, okay, let's get rid of this Confederate name, this Confederate monument, because now it has doesn't have the same meaning as it did back then. And there still are descendants of the Confederate soldiers and the people who were were honored in these Confederate uh, memorials and stuff. And what we're saying is because your belief doesn't jog with ours, we are going to take over. And beliefs change. And that I can understand, but to go keep changing our environment because of that, it just doesn't sit right with me. And in 200 years, all this George Floyd stuff could be pushed away. It just won't matter anymore. Or somebody could come up and say, let's not change these names because it has a meaning. You know, in, uh, in my home, there's a creek called Hangman's Creek. And it's named Hangman's Creek. It's been named, it was named that way years ago. Because Native Americans were hanged there. And a 
large part of them were hanged by a person named George Wright. So when this movement came along to start changing the names of stuff, a group of people decided, let's change the name of Hangman's Creek. Let's change it to Laytalk Creek, a name that's been commonly known as because kind of people feel uncomfortable calling Hangman's Creek. Well, the Native Americans were opposed to that. They don't want the history of that creek, the history of their people, forgotten because they changed the name to a more neutral name. So if a father is walking his son and they cross this creek and the son asks, what's, what's this? What's the name of this creek? the father would say Laytar Creek and they continue on but if father were to say Hangman's Creek the son might get curious why is it called Hangman's Creek I like that and if it sparks the interest of a child who wants to learn a little bit about history and then he tells his friends and they're just you know sad and disappointed at the time, they felt proud of that. Hangman's Creek, yes, this is where we're going to hang all of these rebel Indians. Well, now, we don't think that way. And we tell people, at one time, that's the way they thought. Those thoughts, those opinions, those beliefs are still out there. But to change the names of everything, yeah, we can read history books and learn about it. But it's not going to be sparked in everyday conversation. It's not going to pop up. You know, I visited a concentration camp back in the 70s. And some of the survivors were were, were there. And uh, they were happy to see Americans. And they wanted to talk to us. It was a very sad place to be. But I'm glad I got to see it. I'm glad I got to see those gas chambers and the barracks. I'm glad I got to learn what the history was in that place. What if they'd torn it down and changed the name? You know, turn it into some park or Bluebird Park or something. It Then we would... A little part of that would be gone. And for me, touching, seeing, uh, standing in the presence of history, I like that. Good or bad. We can't change history. We may not like what's out there, but hiding it, it is going to make anything better. You know, we dig up uh, archaeological uh, sites and we'll find things from ancient Egypt. You know, these Egyptians, if they didn't like a pharaoh or something, they just pretty much erased them from history. You do some digging and you find out, whoa, look, there was a person that existed here and this person did this. That's a good thing. And we need to know that kind of stuff. And humans aren't dumb. If we're a racist, which, by the way, is not illegal, but we're trying to make it illegal for some reason, but if we're a racist and we have racist beliefs and we're not harming anybody, we're not causing any laws to be broken or any rights to be violated, we're not important anymore. The people who went to war, like... World War II 
gave their life so that we could have the right to be a racist or to be pro-life or pro-choice or transgender. They died so that we can have those rights so that the Nazis wouldn't have taken over. That has a meaning. You know, if we go to that, that cemetery and we're visiting the grave and say, we're glad you died, but you know, there's no way we're going to accept racism. There's no way we're going to accept anybody that flies the Nazi flag. And oh my goodness, if somebody wants to put a Confederate flag in their window, they should be dragged out into the street and lectured. So I, I look at George Floyd and what he did in his life. And it wasn't really spectacular. But there's people sitting in prison with that background who could get out and end up in that same situation. I don't trust the cops. I'm going to run away. I'm going to resist. I'm still going to commit crimes, but I'm going to do what I can to get away. We need to stop that. We know the people that are in prison. We know they have those issues. The big problem are the people that's out here. You know, my next door neighbor could be the next George Floyd. And to prevent that from happening, we got to open up this line of communication. We got to get people to talk to each other and we got to get them to connect with the folks that are committing these crimes and on both sides. The police officers who are nervous about going to a call and the the criminals who are nervous about approaching the police or or dealing with them. I've never had a problem with them because I understand that side. I haven't had the luxury of learning the criminal side, but I can talk to other people who've been there. And so that's as close as I really want to get. I don't want to go out and commit a crime just to see what it's like. But talking to serial killers and and pedophiles or uh, drug dealers or human traffickers, all these people that I talk to, I get a different side of the story. And I've got some videos on my YouTube channel that's trying to show a little positive light on this. Maybe I don't get a lot of victims talking to me so I would ask AI to to play the role of a victim and give me a little account and so I can put that on there and it gives us a little bit of an insight on what might be going through the mind of the people who are affected by these crimes and so uh, when a person commits a crime and we talk to that person and then we share that information with others. We're in the right step. We're moving in the right direction. Well, thanks for tuning in. And I hope you go out and uh, open up some conversations about the George Floyd stuff. And what we can do as a group, as a community, to uh, help curtail this rise in crime. And keep people from going back to prison and keep people out of prison. Let's, let's do that. We can do that if we talk to each other and we listen. So go out and uh, have yourself a fantastic day and make wonderful memories for tomorrow.